0: Hello and welcome to our next chapter of the podcast, where we explore the comics. Yay! Yay! For all of you who are still here with us, thank you. And thank we hope you. you enjoy this new journey through the world of the comics, where we're gonna learn the very important answers to things like, what happened to Zuko's mom? Who was our next favorite character who we didn't see in the show? And basically anything else that we encounter along the way.
1: Yes, I'm very, very, very excited. Um, this next one that we're going to be covering was really cool, but next episode, I think people are going to really dig if you were a fan of the main series and you had some, maybe some questions about things, but I'm so excited because we're only one episode recording right now and another one red, and there's already so many like emotions and theories that I have crafting and I'm just like, I can't even contain my excitement for what's to come. And we haven't even gotten to the stuff about Zuko's mom yet. And I'm like, I'm going to explode.
0: <laughs> I know. This is one thing I mentioned. And it's like, we're, we have to get through a couple different things before we actually get that answer. But yes. I can't yes. wait. Yes. That is my book three finale that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Comparatively. Yes. <laughs> in the comics. Absolutely. Today, we're going to be going over Katara and the Pirate Silver, which is a fairly new release. It came out on October 13th, 2020, and actually takes place between the events of Bitter Work and The Library, which is in book two. Mm-hmm. Before we jump in, though, we are going to go over some reviews. We have officially wrapped up the U.S. reviews and are so excited to jump into the other regions. And today we're going to be starting off with Canada.
1: Yes. The first review comes from I send this. And this review was sent on my birthday. So I send this. Thank you for <gasps> sending this on my birthday. They write, I love your podcast. I've loved Avatar ever since I've met. It's so fun and funny. And then there's a laughing emoji face and about 27 cat laughing faces. <laughs> emojis.
0: I was going to pull a you and be like a bajillion cats. A bajillion. Just well, i trying up. to be a little more
1: accurate. You know, we were... <laughs> a new region. We don't know how well they will enjoy me over exaggerating how many emojis. We'll play it safe for a little bit and then Mm -hmm. maybe we'll, we'll jump in the deep end. They continue to write your podcast is so, so funny. I'm just going to say that over and over again, because I don't know what to say. I'm 10, by the way, probably Uh... one of your youngest listeners. I found you on Spotify, but I have the app with the review on it. So I'm writing this to you. It's so, so funny. Very funny. You should do Swish and Flick. It's even funnier than yours. No offense. I beg your pardon.
0: (laughs) We've heard that before. Not that it's more funny than us. Also, we're not offended. But we have heard it's very good. I have actually listened to a couple episodes and I did enjoy it.
1: I've not done that. You've done more work into it than I have. Well,
0: you know why? why? It's a Harry Potter podcast and we've established to my shock And disappointment that you're not a Harry Potter fan. Not a
1: Harry Potter fan. Sorry. My favorite Harry (laughs) Potter movie doesn't have Harry Potter in it. I'm just going to say that.
0: My heart.
1: (laughs) Uh, Anyways, they continue to write. It's like two more people and it's Harry Potter. So I like it more and I don't want to be rude. I'm just breaking my heart right now, pal. Just absolutely <laughs> digging that dagger in even more. I'm just going to breeze past this where they stop talking, saying about how much funnier this other podcast is than us, which is right here. I hope you read this by, by It's So, So Funny. If I messed up on some stuff, I'm literally not even typing this. Figure that out for yourself. And then it's Cat Crying Faces. There's like 17 of those. Cat Smiley Face Super There's like a plethora of cat emojis. I'm going to guess they're a dog person.
0: (laughs) It's a cat town in this review. It is. Tons and tons of cats. I send this.
1: Sorry if I butchered reading this. Thank you so much for your five-star review. We super appreciate it all the way from Canada.
0: And all the way from Spotify, even.
1: Yeah. Thank you for making the trek. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Our next review comes from Aaron L0603, who wrote, I love this podcast. With like a bunch of teas. Mm-hmm. Ever since I finished watching Avatar The Last Airbender, I wanted more Avatar content. And when I came across this podcast, it was the perfect thing I needed. The podcast summarized each episode and talks about details and themes that I didn't even think of. It is a very enjoyable podcast and I would definitely recommend it to all Avatar The Last Airbender fans.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Aaron.
0: Thank you so much, Aaron. Also... I love these reviews coming from all over the world because as we've established, there are different regions for reviews. So while we have spent many, many months reading through the American reviews, reviews like these in other regions allow other people to find our podcast. And by sharing with others what you liked about the podcast, it maybe will convince them to try it out. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been noticing, I feel like this year more specifically, a lot of the reviews have been less to us and more to other Avatar The Last Airbender fans, which I really appreciate. I think it's really cool yes. that, that people are doing that basically for us. So thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you.
1: Our next review comes from Ied966, and they write, this podcast is fire... ...bending. Bending. But I love it so much. The hosts of this podcast don't make you feel weird for being obsessed with The Last Airbender because they are just as obsessed. Laugh out loud, they go into detail and each episode, as well as focus on the character development, thank you and keep up the amazing content. Saka pow!
0: Oh my gosh, I what a it. way to end the review. I love I it. I love
1: it. So good. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Ayaan. Thank you. It's so It's true. We are... Quite obsessed. Imagine if we were like, we're not obsessed with this. What are you talking about?
0: I know, right?
1: Sixty-six we're, we're casual episodes. Fans we're starting we're just casual, an episode. Light like fans. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. We're just casual fans who started an avatar podcast. Super cash.
1: <laughs> super cash.
0: No big deal. <laughs> thank you, Ayed.
1: Ayed, thank you so much. We appreciate it.
0: Our next review comes from Naomi the artist, who writes to Greg and Acorn, thank you for doing the podcast. It made my day when one of my friends recommended this and I found it on Spotify. I'm trying to catch up with all the episodes and I can't wait till you get to the legend of Korra. You guys are awesome. Keep on podcasting. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Also, we I'm will. happy to hear that you're going to be joining us for Korra.
1: Yes. I feel like a lot of people are looking forward to to Korra, which I am as well. Just for the voice actors alone, based off what I remember, I am just like yeah. raring to go. But we got to do comics first. We're not done.
0: There's more story to explore.
1: There's so many more stories to explore with Team Avatar right now. And it's going to be great. All right. The next one comes from Wrong Lever Kronk. <laughs> nice. I love oh. it. I love it. <laughs> Why do we even have that lever? Anyways, they write best podcast ever with three heart emojis. Another Spotify user who wants to leave a review for this amazing podcast With the first Avatar The Last Airbender episode being released the same year I was born, it holds a special place in my heart and has been my comfort show ever since I could remember. I love how the podcast hosts take a deep dive into everything for each episode, from voice acting tidbits to MVPs and morals. Thank you, Acorn Bandit and Booster Greg, for the amazing retelling and commentary of the series. I can't wait for you guys to cover the Kyoshi books and the search comic. P.S. Please... Never stop making puns (laughs) with like the snuggly heart face is what I call that. Uh Jan. Well,
0: I agree. I agree. After being subjected to your puns for over a year, Mm -hmm. they're starting Mm -hmm. to grow on me.
1: That's the beauty of them. (laughs) At some point, they just become a part of your life and they don't stop ever.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, how topical are these reviews? We're catching up with them, and yet they're referring to Korra in the comics. I know. Perfect timing.
1: Such good timing. Well, Jam, thank you so much again for this five star review. And we hope you enjoy all of the comic content coming up.
0: Yeah. Our last review comes from Dark Angel895, who writes This is the best podcast. I absolutely love this podcast after watching Avatar from a family recommendation. I really enjoyed the show. The podcast has brought a lot of new information to the table, along with some interesting jokes. Although when I started rewatching Avatar, I noticed something. Even when Zuko became good, whenever he referred to Aang, he, well, never referred to him as Aang. He always referred to him as the Avatar. Thank you for this podcast.
1: I would disagree, Dark Angel 895. I remember very specifically when they're looking for Ang in the finale, Zuko is yelling, Ang, Ang, And I remember this because I felt weird about it.
0: <laughs> was that the first time he called him Aang though? Because I'm thinking back and I'm realizing, huh, I think he did call Ang the Avatar up to that point.
1: I feel if it's not the first, it was like one of the first. It was the yeah. first that grabbed me anyways, because it just like, it sounded weird. I don't know. I felt like he's just always been the Avatar. And the just the tone shifts. At first it was the avatar. And then at the end, it was the avatar.
0: Yep. I think the tone (laughs) shift is really what kind of drives home his relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yep. Great observation, though. And thank you so much for the review.
1: Thank you so much. And that is all of the Canada reviews that we have so far that have been written. If you want to leave a five-star review and you live in Canada or any of the other regions, remember, you have to write it because what do we say?
0: Oh, my God. If you don't write it, we can't read it. Wait, let me do that with more. Let me do that with more energy for you, Greg.
1: For me. Oh, so so less season one Zuko and more season three Zuko (laughs) is what I'm hearing. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you can't write it, we can't read it.
1: That's right. Because that's how the written language works.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't, I don't know how that became a thing, but you're welcome, <laughs> listeners.
1: Uh, but yes, we appreciate each and every one of you that leave a five-star review. Please, please know that. And if you're in Canada and we didn't read it today because you didn't write it yet, we're going to come back at some point. Mm-hmm. So leave that five-star review. Write it. It's going to be great. You'll enjoy we'll it. We'll enjoy around. it. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Are we ready to join the pirate's life and go on a river adventure with Katara?
1: I am. I am so ready. I can't wait.
0: Let's do it. Let's jump in. Yes. First off, I was not expecting much from this comic after the slight disappointment from Suki alone, but I liked this. This was a fun story.
1: I did too. I enjoyed this a lot more than Suki alone. I will say that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: It was written by the same person. So the story was written by Faith Aaron Hicks and Tim Hedrick in this case. Art was done by Peter Wartman. Coloring was done by Adele Matera and lettering by Jimmy Betancourt.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: As I mentioned at the start of the episode, this is a more recent comic having been released in October of last year, 2020. And it does take place between the events in book two. So there are some references to recent events. You know, the gang is coming from something very familiar to us. So we're going to talk about that. But this is going to take place in the Earth Kingdom. And the story starts off actually the day after the events of Bitter Work, when Aang was going through his first earthbending lesson with Toph. Team Avatar flies through the sky over the green mountainous landscape of the Earth Kingdom. Sokka comments how much he enjoys their life, and Toph sarcastically asks if he means getting chased by a homicidal Fire Nation princess and spending most of the previous day stuck in a hole. Sokka replies that no, he means the blue sky and the wind in his hair. That is the life. Toph tells him that she'd feel better if they weren't fugitives being chased halfway across the country, and Katara scolds her for being so pessimistic. Toph clarifies that she's being realistic, not pessimistic, and she and Katara bicker back and forth about their different viewpoints until Aang's recent earthbending lessons come up. Toph uses their different teaching methods to illustrate her point about them being fundamentally different. While Katara used gentle guidance over multiple weeks to teach him waterbending, Toph was able to teach Aang the basics of earthbending in one day. What was the biggest difference? Toph chucked rocks at his head. Katara is appalled to hear this. She thought Toph had used positive reinforcement, like they talked about. Toph agrees that there was a little bit of that, but most of it had been rock chucking. She even asks Aang to confirm, and he does, noting that a few rocks were chucked, yes, and several had been at his head. Toph goes on to say that this is all fine. She's a direct person, while Katara is more, well, soft and gentle like a croco kitten before its skin gets all tough and scaly. Sokka offers, exactly, Toph replies.
1: <laughs> Sokka doesn't miss a moment. You're just like... <laughs> insult his sister
0: exactly (laughs) a perfect example of their sibling relationship yeah also we have a brand new hybrid animal in this comic the croco kitten
1: croco kitten it's so cute
0: it's adorable as you can imagine it is a cross between a cat or in this case a kitten and a crocodile.
1: I love it so much.
0: I do too. We're going to see more of it throughout the comic, which I'm very happy about. Yes. Katara is alarmed and asks Aang if she was really as soft as a croco kitten when she taught him waterbending. Aang assures her that while yes, she was, that's not a bad thing. Katara doesn't have to be as tough as Toph. So why does it feel like it's not okay? Katara grumps. So here's obviously a reference to what happened in Bitter Work. And I like this other side of it because... In Bitter Work, Katara was very confident about her advice that she gave to Toph, telling her, positive reinforcement, tell Eng he's doing a great job, yeah. you know, don't like knock him down. But now that confidence is kind of spun on its head and she's starting to reflect and go, wait, is that a bad thing?
1: Here's kind of like my headcanon for that whole dynamic. We discussed when we were covering uh, Bitter Work and I think just kind of in general, that airbending and waterbending are very similar in terms of their forms and ideology and philosophy and all of that. So I'm wondering if because earthbending is so different from airbending that it's almost easier for Aang to get a grasp of it because he's not worried about differentiating things that are so similar to each other.
2: Mm hmm
1: which is what is causing him to maybe take longer, maybe also combined with Katara's like soft nature and very like positive reinforcement style versus Toph's just like, no, you're wrong, dummy kind of way (laughs) of going about it. I don't know. I'm I'm going back and forth. Yeah, exactly. I'm going back and forth in my head about it right now. I also think that this is just the writers kind of dig at the original series of being like, Hey, why did it take Aang so little time to master earthbending and so long to master <laughs> waterbending?
0: It is kind of a commentary, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, a little bit.
0: Yeah. Right off the bat, though, the fact that they even included this yeah. they referenced past events and actually applied it to the conversation was a really good first step for me because when it came to Suki alone, there were some inconsistencies about at the same time.
1: Yeah. And there's, I found a, a couple inconsistencies in this, a couple goofs, but like, Nothing as wild as like what happened in Suki alone for me personally.
0: Yeah. So, for me too. Yeah. Still a good story. Just, yeah, you agree. know, yeah, you had to suspend your disbelief a little bit stronger.
1: <laughs> a little bit more than you usually have to. I feel like there's just a bit more care and more attention to detail in Guitar and the Pirate Silver than there was in Suki mm-hmm. alone, just personally. But, you know, if you like Suki alone, awesome. It's still a great tale.
0: Yeah. At that moment, a group of Fire Nation soldiers spot Appa in the sky. They give the order and flaming boulders are launched at them from catapults on the ground, forcing Aang to steer Appa sharply up into the sky. The sudden movement causes Katara to tumble out of the saddle, free-falling towards the earth. But she luckily lands in a river and is able to bend a waterspout to cushion her fall. However, before she's able to recover and move for shore, the swift rapids sweep her downstream toward the top of a waterfall. Thinking quickly, she bends a protective ball of ice around her body and falls over the edge. The ball protects her from the impact and bobs its way downstream until finally, drifting to shore where a dizzy Katara breaks out and promptly face plants. (laughs) In the sky, Katara's friends continue to look for her and decide to land in the trees out of range of the catapults to continue their search. As soon as Appa touches down, a worried Sokka starts yelling his sister's name and plunges into the woods. Toph warns him not to yell because she hears something nearby. Basaka won't be stopped. His sister is gone and if yelling helps him find her, then as he pushes through a bush, he sees the very catapults and Fire Nation soldiers they've been trying to avoid. The three friends quietly back away from the threat and navigate successfully to the edge of the woods where a cliff overlooks the surrounding valley. It's the perfect vantage point to get their bearings, except a lone Fire Nation soldier is perched there on a rock with his lunch. The soldier and the gang make startled eye contact before he leaps to his feet, pointing an accusatory finger at Aang. It's the Avatar! Oh no! Aang tries to convince him that the arrow tattoo is just a weird birthmark, but the soldier announces that he will arrest the Avatar. For the honor of the Fire Nation and in the name of Lord Ozai!
1: Oh jeez.
0: It's one of these guys.
1: One of these guys.
0: Toph subtly kicks the ground and a pillar of earth flips the soldier onto his face. The friends turn to leave, but the soldier jumps to his feet and blocks their way with a blast of fire. He continues to yell about how he will never let the avatar escape. He'll follow them to the ends of the earth and capture him for all the glory. Toph puts the soldier inside another pillar of rock to hush him up, and the group works together to put out the fire where it's spreading into the forest. When they're done, Sokka asks if they can finally go look for his sister. But the soldier shouts that even if the avatar escapes today, the Fire Nation will find him tomorrow. They'll never stop until the world is safe from his avatar malice. Aang stops and turns around. What malice? The soldier declares that the Air Nomads have been plotting to take over the world, and that's why the Fire Nation had to stop them. Aang is aghast and tells the soldier that that's a lie. The soldier is unconvinced, however, and tells Aang to prove it. So, Mm.
1: I have some thoughts and a fan casting, if this is ever made into animated form, for this character.
0: Yes, I'm so excited for the fan casting. Let's hear it.
1: So fan casting, will start off with that. I think this is going to be a little bit of a meme. I think by the time you hear this, the meme is probably over, but I'm going to stick with it anyways. <laughs> For the captive Fire Nation soldier that we never really learn his name, I would cast Chris Pratt as his voice. Oh,
0: <laughs> oh my God. Uh,
1: at first, that's, I that's was...
0: weirdly, strangely perfect.
1: It is like... <laughs> At first, I was like, I just want to meme. Whenever the first character that shows up, I'm just going to say it's Chris Pratt. And that's going to be the joke. We're all going to get a laugh out of it. And that's going to be it. Mm-hmm. And then I started reading it again with Chris Pratt's voice in my head. And it's <laughs> it just works. It just works. So I'm sticking to it. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Just the delivery that I know he's capable of from Lego movies, mm-hmm. some of the characters that he's played in the past, like live action as well just kind of works for me because at his core, he's a comedic actor. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people kind of forget that, especially with some of the things that have been going on with him recently. He's a comedic actor. He's got great comedic timing. And I think he could really knock this one out of the park. Is it below him in terms of casting for now? Sure. But still, doesn't make me want him to voice it any (laughs)
0: less. Yeah, I really love that. And Our listeners may know Chris Pratt mostly as Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy Mm -hmm. and maybe, I forget his name, from Parks and Recreation. Andy. Andy, there you go. If you had to combine the delivery of his characters into this captive Fire Nation soldier, would you be able to do it? Because I feel like he has a bit of Star-Lord delivery to him. But what else would you say?
1: I think there's also this, like, aggressive tone that this guy has that Chris Mm -hmm. Pratt can really nail. Just this, like, Blatantly wrong, but sticking to his guns, overly aggressive kind of tone, I think is what Chris Pratt is like really able to to grab with this one.
0: Okay, yeah, that's mostly Star-Lord, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. Agreed. Down the river, Katara emerges from her ice bubble next to a barricade that seems to surround a nearby town. She wanders closer and sees a group of Fire Nation soldiers questioning an Earth Kingdom citizen on the docks. She immediately puts two and two together and realizes the barricade is probably to keep the townspeople in so the Fire Nation can take what little they have. Just then, she's spotted. A soldier tells her she's not allowed to be outside the village without an escort and must go inside immediately. Katara peaceably agrees and begins to leave, but the soldier realizes she's wearing Water Tribe clothing. He tries to take her in for questioning, but is knocked out when Katara bends a chunk of ice in an uppercut motion from her water bag. Katara drags the unconscious soldier into the bushes and then sneaks into town, grabbing a green cloak to use as a disguise off of a clothesline. She makes her way to a produce stall where she asks the vendor about the high number of soldiers in town. The vendor complains that Ozai's finest have cleaned him out and he can't get new produce because of the blockade. On top of all of that, there's been some nonsense about the Avatar's flying bison being spotted nearby, so everyone is extra jumpy. The vendor laments that this war is no good for his business.
1: I will say this about the comics. I'm enjoying all of the extra tales that we're getting and and the art style is pretty consistent with the animated series. But I miss seeing bending in action.
0: That's a great point. Yeah.
1: It just kind of like every time they bend and with the exception of earthbending, I think earthbending reads pretty well in a still format, a non-animated format. But there's something about Katara's waterbending and more specifically in The pirate Silver that I'm just like, I miss those fluid movements. They just don't quite capture them as well. And that's not a slight on the artist. I think that's just the medium in which we're, we're working with right now and which we're reading. It just can't capture those movements, which is unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I felt the same way. And I noticed as I was reading this comic that I feel like waterbending also comes across... Fairly well, because I feel like the, the scenes of Katara bending in this comic were powerful and beautiful and like laid out very well, but but it really doesn't come close to the actual animation of bending.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we're going to enjoy the comics, but boy, it's going to feel good to get back to animation.
1: Yeah, for real.
0: I also feel like it was kind of a missed opportunity here. I mean, I get it. It's an Earth Kingdom vendor from this town, but like how great would it have been if it was the Cabbage Merchant?
2: Oh. Uh. That would have been
1: great.
0: I think there is an actual cabbage behind him too. It's the perfect Ah, opportunity.
1: So missed.
0: But Katara leaves the stall and wanders further down the street until a strange man whispers at her to follow him. Katara smiles and says, no, thank you, but is blocked in an alley on either side by more strangers. She brings her hand and water pouch into position for quick bending and warns the group that she knows how to defend herself. They don't want to fight her. A woman steps forward and grins at the young waterbender. She agrees Katara can defend herself. She noticed earlier what a good job she did with that Fire Nation soldier. And what a coincidence. Ice just happened to leap from the river to knock him out. Katara glares at the woman, guarded. Yes, she agrees. It was a coincidence. The woman shrugs. That's too bad because she's the captain of a ship that's about to sail down river and they need a waterbender for the journey. This gets Katara's attention. She carefully asks what she would need to do to earn that spot on the ship if she was a waterbender. And the captain tells her they need someone to keep the trip from getting a little hot. What with the Fire Nation throwing their weight around and all. Katara agrees she's a bender and claims the job. The captain tests her with a surprise splash of water, which Katara bends past her. The water soaks one of the captain's crew members and a few of them burst into applause. She hit me right in the face. Hooray! The wet crew member (laughs) cheers.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I, I love this, like, classic criminal exchange, almost, where it's just like, not saying I'm a waterbender, but if I were a waterbender, <laughs> yep. what would this situation entail here? It's like, things uh-huh. that well, you want. Oh, great. Guess what? I am a water And then the captain's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah I know you're a waterbender. Yeah. You're not fooling anyone.
0: <laughs> I know. So great. So good. And we have to point out the fact that when a brother is missing, Katara needs to get another person wet mm-hmm. in the background. So That's true. crew member gets drenched.
1: Sorry, pal. Just bad luck.
0: The nice thing though is he's excited about it. He was was like, Yay, we found a waterbender.
1: So maybe it's just his luck.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The captain introduces herself as Jang and apologizes for the test. The last person who claimed they were a waterbender was lying. Katara asks what happened to that person, and Jang smiles coyly. Nothing. He's perfectly fine. But he really wasn't fine because Mm -mm. we see in the next panel a saber-tooth moose lion had chased him up a tree, which is probably where he still is.
1: To this day, living up there.
0: He turns into a tree person. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, Twigs and leaves.
1: Twigs and leaves. That's all he gets all day. Very quickly, for me, the character of Jiang, which is the only other real spoken character. Mm -hmm. I had a very specific voice in my head for her. And I couldn't place it for the longest time. It was like a couple days. And then it just popped into my head. Like I had the voice and I couldn't remember her name for the life of me. Her name is Ming-Na Wen, and a Mm. lot of people might know her from Disney's Mulan, where she voiced the titular character Mulan. Uh, If that's a little old school for you, Uh, she was also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as Melinda May. She was in, I forgot this, the original Street Fighter live-action movie. Oh, no way. As Chun-Li. She's more recently in the Mandalorian as Fennec Shand. So she was like that badass bounty hunter that's hanging out with a Mandalorian. I don't want to spoil anything just in case like no one's caught up on the Mandalorian and wants to, but she shows up in there. She's great. She's wonderful. She's got this very like tough tone to her.
0: Yeah, but
1: also can be kind of like clever from time to time and sarcastic. So I think that just kind of embodied Zhang perfectly. I
0: love that. It's been a minute since I've seen Mulan. I feel like I've seen Agent May, you said from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: Yep. Melinda yeah. May. Yeah,
0: I've seen her more recently and I I definitely get that vibe.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that one was kind of like, again, I heard the voice. I couldn't place it for the longest time. And then it just like dawned on me and I was like, oh, OK. Yep. That's that was it. That's Perfect. She's done many, many other things, including that movie Push. Do you remember Push with Chris Evans?
0: Oh, yeah, I do.
1: Yeah, she was in that as well. Cool. Yeah. So if you're not not familiar with her, look her up. And you've probably watched something with her in it. I guarantee it.
0: More than likely. And the fun thing about these fan castings is if you don't know who we're talking about and you've read the comic, obviously the comic doesn't have sound. So go look up on YouTube. To the internet. To the internet. Get some (laughs) examples. See if you agree with us. Yeah. But another fun thing about this character, her name, Zhang, translates to river, mm. which is a perfect fit to the fact that she is a river pirate. Yeah. Also, the writer of this comic, Faith Erin Hicks, stated on Twitter that Jiang is one of her favorite after The Last Airbender characters.
1: I really enjoy Zhang. She's really cool.
0: I kind of fell in love with her. Yes. Yeah. I I have a note later on. I'm a, I'm obsessed with a couple things about this comic and Zhang is top of my list.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Also, for those listening who haven't read the comic, a quick description of what she looks like, because I love her look. She has tan skin, kind of like an olive complexion, very green eyes, shaved head, a scar across her forehead, another scar bisecting one of her eyebrows, and then the usual Earth Kingdom pirate type of outfits, and then these large medallion earrings dangling from her ears. Yeah.
1: She just looks cool.
0: Yeah, she looks cool. She looks strong. She looks clever.
1: Fierce. It's
0: such a great character design. Mm-hmm.
1: I love her. I love her. She's so far my favorite comic specific character.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in to the end of the episode where we go over our MVP. <laughs> Who could it Spoilers. be? Spoilers.
1: It's probably Jack. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Well, back on the cliff in the woods, Aang tells Sokka and Toph that he wants to try talking to the soldier to change his mind. He explains that he can't believe the Fire Lord wasn't content with wiping out the air nomads he also had to spread lies about them. Lies about a secret army, that the nomads were a threat to the world. Even if Aang can only change one person's mind, isn't that worth doing? He apologizes then because he knows that they need to look for Katara, but Sokka interrupts him. He can tell this is important to Aang and his sister can take care of herself. They don't need to rush off. Toph interjects to say, didn't he just say Katara was as soft and cuddly as a croco kitten? Sokka shrugs was teasing her. That's his job as her big brother. And besides, has Toph ever seen a Croco kitten? Sure, they're pretty helpless at the beginning, but once their scales come in, they can take down a platypus bear.
1: Maybe like a small platypus bear.
0: (laughs) He does make that distinction. Maybe (laughs) a small one. And at this point, we see an image of the Croco kitten and it is on the small side. It's maybe like a really large house cat. Yeah. With the head of a cat, the paws of a cat, but then the body and tail of a crocodile. Mm. And I will note that along with Jiang, I'm a little obsessed with Croco kittens, too.
1: I like them. I dig them. I'm not much of a cat person, but I like Croco kittens. Mm -hmm. They're really cool.
0: And seeing as the comics are part of the canon, we do have some more information about the Croco kitten.
1: Ooh! sorry. I'm very excited about more information about the Croco kitten. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's just a little bit, but okay, all right. this is not the only place that the Croco Kitten makes an appearance. Oh. It also makes it into the Team Avatar Tales, which we're going to be going over in summary in mm-hmm. our next episode. Mm-hmm. But in that story, Toph discovers that the boulder has a pet Croco Kitten named the Pebble, ah. which he keeps secret since it doesn't fit his image, <laughs> yeah. which is like beautiful. That. It's poetic. I love it. But crococats are fierce carnivores, and their colors can range from green, brown, black, and white. And as I said before, it is about the size of a house cat, but has the scaled stomach of a crocodile.
1: The perfect defense.
0: <laughs> yep. The perfect combination of scary and cute. Mm-hmm. So Ang is still determined to change the soldier's mind. This time, he marches up to the Pillar of Rock and turns on the charm. After giving him a polite greeting of, flamey my good hopman. Aang proceeds to inform him that the air nomads were peaceful, didn't have an army, don't even eat meat, and can't fly. However, they do glide with their gliders. It's true. But the soldier insists he knows all about the dark abilities of the airbenders, how they could suck a man's breath out of his body, and how they even had an army of winged people ready to attack anyone who threatened them. If the Fire Nation hadn't stopped the nomads, they would have conquered every nation in the world from the backs of their winged beasts. Aang is irritated and perplexed and asks the man where he heard such nonsense from my cousin who heard it from his sister, who heard it from her roommate, who read it on a poster in some town out West. Aang is speechless. He says, and you didn't think that something written on a poster might be untrue? The soldier says, why would the Fire Nation write untrue things on a poster? They cost a fortune to print.
1: He's got a point.
0: <laughs> it's also the perfect reference to social media and Facebook. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it really (laughs) is. And how
0: a lot of information passes from person to person to person without being fact checked. Yep. Also, there's a little exchange here at the end where Aang defeated walks back to his friends and he's like, he's not going to change his mind about the Air Nomads because of a poster. And then Sokka replies, that's rough little buddy.
1: I saw that. I was like, oh, but like also that's before Zuko said that's rough buddy.
0: It is before. This is book two. And Zuko mm-hmm. says that later, which is funny because there is kind of a a fan theory about that, that we're going to cover in a future Avatar. Okay. But because this comic was written after the show aired, I do like to think it's kind of a meta nod.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. But yeah. it didn't sit right with me. I was like... Yeah. Eh. <laughs> not like earth shattering, throw away this book immediately. We're not covering this anymore. Delete the whole episode. Not that bad, but like... Mm-hmm. I was just like, it's trying to be clever, but they just shouldn't have. Canonically speaking, the joke shouldn't have been made.
0: That's so funny. I ate it up. I was like, yes, I get that reference.
1: I understand. Okay, Steve Rogers. I I understand <laughs> why they made it and its purpose, but it just didn't sit well with me. That's just me. That's just me. Yeah, but I can fine. appreciate that. Other people appreciate it too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Since we're on the topic of what happened in the show, I do like this conversation that took place between Aang and the captured Fire Nation soldier. Because as we've mentioned before, when we get to book three and get to the Fire Nation, in the episode The Headband, Aang goes to school and learns a little bit more about what Fire Nation kids are taught in that country.
1: Yeah, which also kind of like makes me feel a little weird about this whole exchange because he was very shocked to learn what Fire Nation kids think happened with the Air Nomads. But canonically speaking, according to this comic, he already kind of knew. Which honestly, like, you can headcanon your way out of that fairly easily and just have, like, Aang write this guy off of being like, oh, he's an idiot. He heard from his second cousin's dog, Walker's (laughs) best friend's groomer or whatever, that these things happen. So maybe if we want to kind of, like, incorporate both what he's going to learn and have it still be a shock. It's like the second source. Like the first time it's like, all right, pal, whatever you're, you don't know what you're talking about. But then he goes to an established school in the fire nation and he learns this. Then it's like, Oh, what are you saying? Isn't all complete bogus nonsense.
0: Yeah. That's more the way I read it too. Okay. And if you think back to the, the headband, the teacher is that very strict, like school master type of personality. And it is more of a structured environment. Whereas This guy is like your raving Chris Pratt type character (laughs) who's just like, die, air nomad vermin.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But more importantly, I do want to draw attention to the fact that he says that the Fire Nation believes that the air nomads can suck the air from a man's lungs. That I thought was really cool because mm-hmm. way back when, in one of our first Avatar episodes, we talked about that fan theory of what actually happened in the room with Monk Azzo when the Fire Nation attacked the Air Nomads. So I like to think, this is now worming into my headcanon here, I like to think... That Monk Gyatso actually did sacrifice himself. Me too. And stole the air from the room, killing the Fire Nation soldiers, but also killing himself as well. And later, some Fire Nation soldiers came to that room, saw what happened, and then the rumor started spreading.
1: Or like someone outside witnessed it or something. Like yes. saw it in action. And what was meant to be Monk Gyatso's big sacrifice that took himself out and was meant to be this grand gesture is now being used against the air nomads. Mm-hmm. And through history, this exactly. like last ditch attack is now, according to history, which as we all know, is written by the victors mm-hmm.
0: in the avatar world, as well as our world. I will note.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yep. 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 Yeah. I just like, yeah, they do that all the time. You look at them. They rip the, the air right out of your lungs. You sneeze at them wrong. They rip the air out of your lungs.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So I like how that was twisted through history. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, nice little nod there, too. Mm-hmm. Back in town, Katara follows the captain and her crew through the streets, trying to be less like a croco kitten and more like Toph. In an attempt to get into character, she spits on the ground as they walk, the way Toph would. Two of the crew members hear this and turn around with grimaces. Ew, don't waterbenders have any manners? One asks. Katara blushes in embarrassment. Well, her plan worked, sort of. The captain leads them to the door of a building and says they're there to check on the cargo they'll be transporting downriver. Once inside, Jang introduces Katara to the man that opens the door, named Tu, as their new waterbender. Tu looks her up and down and recalls how they don't get many waterbenders in the area. However, his cousin, Oh, sails on a ship not far from Crescent Island and told him he ran into a waterbender girl. She had the same hair loops, stole a very valuable waterbending scroll from him. And she was traveling with the Avatar. Katara bends a shard of ice onto the table in front of two. She tells him the Avatar is no friend of hers. She's just a waterbender looking to get out of the Fire Nation territory. No questions asked.
1: I love this nod.
0: Um, um, Mm -hmm. best nod in the whole comic. We hear about Pirate Barker. Oh, be careful of
1: the blasting jelly. (laughs) Yep
0: the guy that we referenced how many times through book one
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah when I was reading this I was like man they really just should have used one of the pirates from that crew because pirates aren't known to be super loyal they just kind of Mm -hmm. are up for themselves it would have been completely believable and then they made this reference and I was like okay well done that's it I'm in I'm all in I have no more doubts no more fears We got our Pirate Barker O reference. And not just like a random pirate. They chose O, which I love because he's amazing.
0: Because he's the best. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. Obvious choice.
1: We also get the Water Tribe reference from the Blind Bandit episode, which was really cool. Mm Guitar does that like whole like, I'm watching you like Robert De Niro and meet the parents watching you hand movement. And it's just perfect. Like, this is why I think we both like this comic a lot more than Suki alone because Mm -hmm. they're making nods to other comics. They're kind of like establishing that they know what they're talking about through these references. And obviously like they don't need to prove anything to us because this is the creative team. They're creating this for us. Like we, they have to have some sort of credentials in order to just to get the job. But I like that they're putting these like little fan service things in there. To kind of be like, we're on the same page as you. We're also fans of the material. We might mess up, but here, enjoy these. Yeah.
0: It conveys a a sort of respect, I guess. Like respect to the original material, respect to the fandom, the community, Mm -hmm. the Avatar world. So it is very much appreciated. Agreed. Katara and Jiang join the crew in the storeroom where they're going over the crates. Katara learns from their conversation that the crates were stolen from the Earth Kingdom army, who has been stretched thin from fighting the Fire Nation. Katara is concerned to hear this and begins asking about it when Captain Jiang shuts her down, letting her know that if she wants a ride, there should be no questions asked. She then hands the waterbender an Earth Kingdom collaborator's uniform. In order to do this job, she and the crew dress up as Earth Kingdom collaborators. It allows them to slip under the Fire Nation's nose. By the time they realize what's happening, they'll be miles away and counting their silver. Katara is distressed by this news and wonders what she got herself into. Mm-hmm. Here's another fun nod. Fun, although I will also say a little sad. The outfit that Jing hands Katara looks very much like an Earth Kingdom Army uniform, but they do make a distinction here. It is an Earth Kingdom Army uniform, but the Earth Kingdom insignia has been removed and replaced with the Fire Nation seal. And if we think back to Zuko alone, Mm. Sensu, the older brother of Lee, the little boy who lives on the farm with his parents, was captured by the Fire Nation and was suggested to have been possibly used as a front lines diversion. So Earth Kingdom collaborators are used in a couple different ways in this world. Either they were former troops of the Earth Kingdom military who voluntarily or involuntarily supported the Fire Nation during the Hundred Year War, or there are some military units who defected and subsequently remained under arms while being provided with documents to show their loyalty to the Fire Nation. So they look like Earth Kingdom uniform soldiers, but they have documents to show the Fire Nation that they're on their side. And these troops were known to help the Fire Nation military in securing occupied areas. But then the third option is the one we just mentioned, which is where the Earth Kingdom prisoners of war were forced to wear Fire Nation uniforms and act as unarmed diversion in combat. So that frontline distraction that we just talked about. So this is kind of like a mixed bag of lore That they just touched on, the fact that we are in the Earth Kingdom currently, but it's known that there are some collaborators who are supporting the Fire Nation, and that is who they're pretending to be.
1: Yeah, good call out.
0: Back with Aang and company, it's Sokka's turn to go up against the soldier. He knows that Aang's method of disarming friendliness didn't work, so he is going to try to throw some cold, hard facts at the guy. Turn on the old Sokka charm, basically. He walks up to the soldier where he's still peeking out of an earthen pillar and proceeds to try to logic the heck out of him. And this is where I feel like it would be best if we just went back and forth with this exchange because it's so good. Who do you want to play, Greg? The soldier. Oh, really? (laughs) No. Okay. I was going to say, Mr. Number One Sokka fan.
1: Oh, man. Okay. I'll play soccer. You could play Chris Pratt, a.k.a. the soldier.
0: Okay. Okay, I'm not going to sound are. one bit like him, but okay.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to sound one bit like Jack DeSena, but it'll be okay. We'll get <laughs> through it. Oh, well, maybe I'll do the Wang Fire voice. My good hotman, even if you don't believe what Ang told you about the air nomads, we don't have to be enemies.
0: As long as you stand against the Fire Lord, you are my enemy.
1: That's the thing. We don't want to be the Fire Lord's enemies. We'd actually love to live in harmony with him and the rest of the Fire Nation. What? For example, isn't it a bit odd that you're Fire Nation, but you've been sent to the Earth Kingdom to occupy it?
0: Of course not. The Fire Nation is sharing its wealth and achievements with the rest of the world. The other nations should be honored that we're here.
1: Think about that for a moment. Did Earth Kingdom citizens welcome you into their homes? Did they open the gates of Ba Sing Se to the Fire Nation armies?
0: Well, no, not at first. Have you
1: considered that maybe, just maybe, the rest of the world would also like to live in harmony with the Fire Nation the way it did for centuries, but the Fire Lord would rather attack and dominate the world than live peacefully alongside the other nations?
0: The soldier squints, thinks about this, then says, no, (laughs) and begins singing the Fire Nation anthem.
1: (laughs) This scene hits so hard for me.
0: I know. Yep. Thank you for reading that with me. By the way, excellent performance.
1: Thank you for allowing me to be Sokka.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. This is such a such an amazing scene. And we get another reference here. The Fire Nation anthem that he sings is the same one that Fire Nation man sings during Earth Rumble 6.
1: It's like, remember when we were like, that can't be the actual anthem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Apparently it's the actual anthem.
0: Apparently it is. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Who do you think
1: wrote that? I can't see Ozai being like, yes, make this my anthem. I feel like that was like a subordinate's decision.
0: Or like the official music minister of the Fire Nation or something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
0: It's terrible. But also, it's like a two for one reference here. Not only do we get the Fire Nation anthem here from the Blind Bandit, but we also get Logical Sokka from the Fortune Teller.
1: That's true. I wasn't even thinking about Logical Sokka.
0: He's my favorite. I I loved him him in the the fortune teller. Yeah. I did too. Yeah. But just as in the fortune teller, he fails. He walks back Uh over to Aang and Toph and tells them they've wasted enough time banging their heads against that rock. They should get out of here. They agree and begin leaving. Aang also calling Appa with the bison whistle, but the soldier breaks free from the rock and announces there's no escape. Before he can say another word, however, Appa appears, picks up the soldier with his mouth and spits him into the woods. The friends leap on the air bison and set out down the river to find Katara.
1: Well, that was a big waste of time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Basically, didn't even change the guy's mind. No. He got free. Like, what were we doing there? Oh, well. Oh, well. Maybe this is one of those like delayed reaction type of situations where the words that Aang and Sokka gave him sink in slowly and he'll make like another appearance. I mean, I doubt it too, but
1: like, who knows? That guy's mind is not getting changed. <laughs> Nothing.
0: Yep. Well, back in town, Katara, Captain Zhang, and the crew trundle down to the docks where their ship, the Flying Wolf Bat, waits for them. Jiang explains that the ship has been in her family for generations and that she grew up on this river, once sailing it freely. Then the Fire Nation invaded. Katara asks if Zhang's family were river traders, and Jiang answers, you could say that. Katara catches her drift and guesses that they weren't terribly interested in the trading part, so they took what they wanted and sold it for profit. Jang's family were pirates. Jang isn't ashamed of the label, claiming that her years spent as a pirate were what made her strong. She and her crew were able to fend off the Fire Nation when they came to commandeer all the ships. Theirs was the only ship that wasn't claimed. Nowadays, Jang makes sure that her crew remains free. When Katara asks if she does that at the expense of her own people, Jane clarifies that the Earth King's army aren't her people. The Earth Kingdom abandoned everyone outside the walls of Ba Sing Se. They're on their own out here.
1: This is another thing that kind of like rubbed me the wrong way, but I don't think it would have if we weren't paying as close attention to the Earth Kingdom as we were.
2: Mm.
1: She very specifically calls out Earth King Kuei, As being like you've abandoned us, like you've just walled yourself off in there. You're not listening to anyone, but like there are other Earth Kings. Boomy is an Earth King, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so I like I don't know if Jiang just like hasn't encountered Boomy or doesn't know that Boomy exists, or just that like everyone in the Earth Kingdom just discounts Boomy because he's a crazy wacky old man. But I found it very interesting in that a slip up in the same vein happened in Suki alone when they're talking about Kiyoshi Island and saying that Suki is the head of the Kiyoshi Warriors when she's really just the head of a faction of the Kiyoshi Warriors. So, again, minor thing, minor gripe, little continuity potential error. I don't know. you probably head candidate as saying, like, maybe just everyone just doesn't count Bumi as a king because he's crazy.
0: Yeah. And it is like, it's a little little muddy, right? Because there are multiple Earth Kings and yep. the one who rules the whole kingdom is the Earth Monarch. That's the one who's like above everyone right. else. So to say the Earth King, like we don't know if she's talking about the local Earth King, whoever's like in charge of this area or like yeah. Earth King Kuei.
1: I also appreciate the pun on that one. Did I pun? Muddy.
0: Oh, wow. That was a freebie <laughs> for you all. Did not Did not consciously make that pun, mm-hmm. but I'll take it.
1: I'll say you rocked it.
0: Wow. Ah. Wow.
1: (laughs) Can't make you being the only one in this podcast making (laughs) buns on this episode.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Anyway. Anyway. I want to point out actually the flying wolf bat here because it is a really cool design. It's your usual, like what you'd imagine a pirate ship to look like, how it has multiple masts, that like slender build to it. But on the back, they do make a point of showing the design. It has a nose, mouth, and whiskers. And it could be based on the design of like a Kabuki theater mask similar to the blue spirit and how it looks kind of like demonic, but very stylized. But Mm -hmm. I also feel like it has a lot of maybe Tlingit or Haida design to it, which are the two Indian tribes of Alaska. Um, So like if you think of totem poles in Alaska, native art, very similar in that kind of style too.
1: Yeah, that's really, it's really very stylish, very cool. I really liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where like The artist put a lot of, or maybe even the writer put a lot of like thought and work into it. But it's one of those things that you might overlook if you're not paying real close attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you only see it for maybe a panel or two.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Though if you look closely on the cover, it does show most of the design. That'd be the easiest way to see it if you don't have the comic. Yeah. Just then, Fire Nation soldiers approach and ask to see papers. Jang has them ready and hands the roll over pleasantly. The soldiers review them and are about to give them approval when another soldier shows up. He says he wants to take a closer look at that ship. While he strolls down the dock for inspection, Zhang whispers to Katara that this might be where she earns her passage and hopes she's ready to protect both crew and the cargo. Katara whispers back that she can handle it. Just as he suspected, the soldier identifies the ship as a flying wolf bat, a ship the soldier tried to take earlier that year but got away. This crew is full of Earth Kingdom pirates. The crew leap into action. They swiftly unmoor the ship and start setting sail as Captain Zhang leaps on board. Katara hangs back on the docks, though, and channels the toughness of Toph in the face of the oncoming soldiers. She throws off her cape and in one powerful movement pulls the surrounding river in a surge over the docks. The soldiers are swept back to the shoreline. Realizing she's a waterbender, they begin attacking with fire. Fire. But Katara easily knocks them into the water with a water whip, then bores the ship using a plank of ice. Some of the cargo has fallen overboard, and a Fire Nation soldier sneaks up behind Zhang as she's trying to pull it on board. Never turn your back on the Fire Nation, the soldier yells. Or on me, Katara replies, and bends a gush of water into the soldier's face. Zhang uppercuts him, and he goes over the side into the river. So going back to what you were saying at the beginning of this episode, Greg, Yes, I very much miss the bending in animation, but this particular scene I felt was really strong, strongly drawn, designed, the angles of the panel, the way that we see the water being bent on the dock. It was really well done.
1: I agree. There are strengths to the comic book format. Like I'm a huge comic book nerd. I I think anyone who has like watched any of my Twitch streams or seen the previous podcast that I've done, like Mm -hmm. knows this about me. And Something that this medium, the graphic novel, comic book medium is capable of doing, which I think is lost in animation, are these beautiful splash pages. So like when Katara pulls in the the river, it is just this one page, no other panels, a single onomatopoeia going off and, or sorry, two panels. And it's like, she pulls in the river and it just looks impressive. It's kind of scary if you're in the Fire Nation army Mm -hmm. right there. It's just a very beautiful page. And then the only panel in this page is Katara smirking because she's like, she's channeling tough and she knows it. And she's like very proud of herself and she's happy. It's just like, you're not going to get that from an animated format unless you're like Edgar Wright, for example, <laughs> and you put panels in your work. It's just very cool. So like, while I miss the actual movements themselves, What the artist is doing with the water bending in these pages is he's almost like, or they're almost like trying to mimic the movement of the bending through the element itself, which is Mm -hmm. really cool.
0: Yeah. And a reminder, we are in book two right now. So this is Master Waterbender Katara in action. Yes. It helps.
1: So impressive still.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Katara helps get the ship underway, bending the water around it to push it out towards the barricade. A Fire Nation ship is in their way, however, and it begins flinging flaming boulders at the pirates. One boulder lands on the deck and punches a hole into it so that the ship starts taking on water. Zhang frantically tells the crew to save the cargo, and Katara snaps at her. Is selling stolen goods really all she cares about? Her crew is in trouble. They should come first. But Zhang shoulders her out of the way, telling her she doesn't understand. Angry, Katara says fine and freezes a rough patch of ice between the flying wolf bat and the distant Fire Nation ship. She runs along the ice and bends a wave over the side, sweeping the soldiers overboard. Ship now commandeered, Katara struggles to bend the ship back towards the pirates. By the time she gets there, the flying wolf bat is sinking, the cargo floating away, and the soldiers on the dock demanding they surrender. But the soldiers don't get a chance to claim victory because just then Katara bends the Fire Nation ship straight through the dock. The soldiers go flying into the water and the pirates cheer. Impressed and pleased, Jang orders her crew to transfer everything over to their new ship and thanks Katara for coming through for them.
1: Again, another great use of the medium. This is a two page spread of yeah. her in this giant metal ship, controlling it with her water bending, the water below the ship, obviously not metal. That'd be crazy. But anyways, and all of these and impossible as well. Yes. (laughs) And the the Fire Nation soldiers just absolute looks of terror in there. And one of them is, do you see the one in the upper right hand corner? He's just frozen. Like he's like, (laughs) "Ah." (laughs) it's really funny. But again, like you're not going to get this kind of like detail or the ability to analyze something like this in an animated format. So, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, such a good sequence.
1: Yes. Yeah. I like that the artist is able to use the medium to their advantage.
0: Mm -hmm. At that moment, the Fire Nation soldier that Aang, Sokka, and Toph met on the cliff comes through the tree line on the side of the barricade. He runs to the shore shouting, Glory to the Fire Nation! I won't let you escape, collaborators of the Avatar! As the ship sails toward the opening in the barricade, the soldier runs to the edge of it and leaps into the air, aiming for the ship. Without looking, Katara bends a slender wave of water around the soldier and freezes it in place. The soldier scowls at them as they pass, suspended over the water. He mutters, waterbenders, another enemy of the Fire Lord.
1: Remember when you were like, maybe he learns his lesson later?
0: I do remember that. I mean, distantly in the future, Mm -hmm. maybe. I
1: don't think he's learning any lessons other than what his (laughs) sisters, brothers, hairdressers, tea, drinking buddy uh-huh. says
0: "Yep, on that poster in that yeah. western town yeah mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. time
1: mm-hmm. every time well
0: you know what that means team avatar needs to make some posters
1: i to say that Sokka needs to start making posters and posting them mm-hmm. all around so he can change just one guy's mind mm-hmm. <laughs> yes I there agree. you go yep
0: <laughs> katara and the pirates are nearly through the barricade when jang notices a ship pursuing behind them she calls to her crew for one last effort in making fools of the fire nation They use the catapult on board to launch a boulder at the ship. The boulder hits its mark and the ship begins sinking next to the soldier caught in ice. The soldier screams, someday I'll have my revenge for the Fire Nation. But his wiggling has begun fracturing the ice. The block breaks below his feet and he falls into the river with the others.
1: I don't think he's distantly learning anything. I think he's gone.
0: I'll accept that was wishful thinking on my part.
1: (laughs) I I think he might have drowned right there. Unfortunately.
0: I was unfortunately thinking that. I think he might need him as Fire Nation buddies to help him out of that ice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The commandeered ship floats safely down the river, well on its way to the pirate's destination. Now that the action is over, Katara returns to her irritated and displeased mood. She still doesn't agree with the pirate's mission to steal cargo from unsuspecting Earth Kingdom troops. When Jiang thanks her for her help, Katara crosses her arms and reminds the captain to do what she promised. Get her out of the Fire Nation territory so she can rejoin her friends. The captain tells her they have one stop and then they can take her as far away as she wants to go. Katara stalks off and sees that one of the crates has broken open. A few vials lie on the deck of the ship, having slipped out of the crate. She kneels to get a closer look and realizes that the vials contain medicine. Disgusted, she looks over at Jang and asks if she's really going to make sick people pay for this medicine. How could she be so cruel? She's worse than Katara thought. Jang is unfazed and reminds Katara that she's a pirate. A pirate never does anything without payment. She'll make plenty of silver from what's inside those crates.
1: Katara does not like this.
0: Katara is not a fan. And we're really seeing Katara's like lawful good side coming out here.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) She's mm -hmm. just
0: like, okay, you're against the rules. You're doing bad things to people. And I am not a fan.
1: Mm -mm, mm -mm. And uh, now you're stealing what I thought were just random supplies and is now medicine. Mm
0: -hmm. No, 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 no. In the sky, Team Avatar finally reaches the small town by the river. They spot two sunk ships and the remains of ice on one end of the barricade. Sokka excitedly tells the others that the ice means Katara must have been here. They continue following the river, hoping to find their friend. Further down the river, the pirates have finally reached their destination. They pull up to a small dock at the bottom of a valley. Earth Kingdom houses form a small village nestled between two mountains. They come ashore and bring the crates with them. Soon, excited villagers come out to meet them. One boy in particular calls out to Zhang. Zhang, you came back! Zhang kneels and the little boy holds out a fist of bright lilies. He tells the captain that he picked the flowers for her and she thanks the boy calling him Lian. Then turning to Katara, Zhang asks, what do you think? This is payment enough, isn't it? Katara is confused until Zhang continues. I told you we'd be paid in silver. The silver lily only grows in this area. These are my Earth Kingdom people. What sort of a person would I be if I demanded money that they didn't have as payment for curing their sick? Katara grins, finally understanding. You'd be a pirate. And obviously, here's where we learn Zhang was never talking about money. She was talking about a lily. Very cute. Cute. Cue the aww.
2: Aww.
0: (laughs) Aw. One of those clever little twists in a story. I appreciated it.
1: I did too. It was very wholesome Mm -hmm. and fits right? Like, I feel like whenever we see, visually speaking anyways, a character like Jang, they usually have like a good backstory to them and they're not like complete jerks, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term. And they kind of kept that going through here. It's just a classic tale of judging a book by its cover and not getting the full details. And also, like, it's not Katara's fault at all. Like, as a pirate, usually one of the traits is a lack of trust to newcomers and rightfully so like jang's taking medicine upriver to people who need it she doesn't know anything mm-hmm. about katara like katara might rat her out that might be a fire nation spy for all she knows like you gotta like kind of keep your friends close and your enemies closer or even like potential enemies so it's mm-hmm. just a, a sign of the times during the 100 year war where People that could be allies could be enemies just through simple misunderstandings.
0: Yep. And I like that fact. If you read between the lines in the story, after they escape the barricade and they're on their way down the river, if Katara had turned out not to be reliable yep. or not to be trusted, that's where Jane could be like, all right, where do you want to go? We're going to drop you off and then we're going to go do our business so you don't find out where my people are.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: Um, So this is the point where Zhang gives Katara more of her backstory. She explains that she had been a pirate for many years before the Fire Nation arrived. She and her crew swore an oath to fight the Fire Nation until the war was over, to help their people above all else. Because while Zhang may be a criminal, she's still Earth Kingdom, and so is her crew. Katara asks what they're going to do when the war is over, and Zhang shrugs. They haven't decided that yet and would need to find a new ship for one thing. The captain strolls off with Lian to talk to the rest of the villagers and Katara watches them go with a smile on her face. Then she hears someone call her name. She turns around to find Appa and her friends descending from the sky. Excited, she runs to them and they all hug. Even Toph accepts this, saying that hugs are acceptable under the circumstances. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Katara asks how her friends found her and Sokka explains they saw a Fire Nation ship and ice a ways upriver and knew it had to be her. He asks how she got there, and Katara launches into the tale of her adventure with the pirates. Her friends listen, their faces slowly going from smiles to dubious expressions to doubt. By the end of the story, Sokka asks if she's sure she actually joined a pirate crew, and Toph outright says she finds this very hard to believe.
1: But why? Because Toph can tell when people are lying.
0: Okay, fine. That's the one loophole. That's the one. Just saying. in this comic.
1: I will forgive it because during her tale Toph is picking dirt out of her ears and I found that very <laughs>
2: Toph-like.
0: Yes. It was great. As they're talking everyone's like the only thing changing is their facial expressions except yep. for Toph who's like digging in her ears and like removing earwax. <laughs> like it. Flicking, flicking it. it. <laughs> yep.
2: It's so good.
0: So tough. I loved it. Yeah. Katara then turns around to Aang and asks him if he believes her. He says he wants to, and Sokka tells his sister that he believes she thinks she joined a pirate crew, but they should be realistic. I am being realistic, Katara insists. It actually happened. Jang comes up to the group and addresses Katara, telling her that they wanted to thank her for helping them get down the river. They couldn't have done it without her. They'd also like to make her an honorary member of their crew. Katara and Zhang bow to each other, Katara saying she'd be honored. And hopes they'll consider becoming law-abiding citizens once the war is over. Zhang smiles and says they'll see about that, but it might also be time for her to retire. She's getting too old for these little adventures. Before leaving, she tells Katara that if she ever gets tired of fighting beside the Avatar, there's a job as a pirate waiting for her. Aang, Sokka, and Toph watch the pirates leave with dumbfounded expressions. Katara turns to them. You were saying? Sokka grins. I was just saying you're the coolest sister in the world. Mm -hmm. And as they go into the sky, she says, I know. And that's the end.
1: I like how quickly Sokka is able to admit that he was wrong.
0: Yeah, right?
1: I thought that's a, a really cool little trait that I don't think they really explore in the animated series. But I like that he's comfortable enough with himself to admit when he's wrong. And to not even like dwell on it, not like give a little like smirky little face or anything like that. He just admits that he was wrong and just sends more love to his sister.
0: Mm -hmm. Which feels to be very true to his character at this point in the story, because we're like early to mid book two about to get to the library. He's already gone through his like grief process with Yue. He's learned about sexism. So I feel like this is very true to his character, which is nice. Agreed. Yeah. All in all, a really cute story. Very wholesome, like you said. Beautiful art. The art was something that was like one of my favorite things. When we're talking about the style as it compares to the animated series, I feel like it was very, very similar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like when the comics get an artist whose style complements that of the Mm -hmm. animated property. Sometimes it kind of goes off a little bit in the deep end, like we'll learn next week. But more often than not, I have found so far anyways, that the style, which is not just the line work or the inking, but also like the coloring, even the onomatopoeias, like it all just kind of like blends and meshes really well with the original animated series, which is what you want. Like you don't want to read an Alex Ross Avatar The Last Airbender comic. If you don't know who that is, it's like photorealistic art (laughs) Uh painted style. You just kind of don't want that because like, it's just going to, I mean, A, it's going to remind you of the last Airbender movie, but B, the style and the aesthetic of the animated series is like a huge nostalgic factor of it all. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to like shy away from that too much, in my opinion, anyways. So
0: Yeah, exactly. And maybe in a visual person, I always appreciate something that's aesthetically beautiful and like too. not just the art, but the coloring, the color palette that they used is very yeah. warm and Earth Kingdom oriented. The framing of the panels, the point of view yeah. as it shifts around the scene, like it was just so well done. So top marks for this comic, much better than Suki alone, in my opinion, or at least much more enjoyed by me. And that leads us to MVPs. Who was your MVP, Greg?
1: It was the captured Fire Nation soldier, (laughs) Clearly, The most character development
2: in the entire
1: (laughs) universe. (laughs) Uh, It's Jang. It's Jang. I love her. She's she's great. What a wonderful new character to introduce. And unfortunately, this is the only time we're going to be seeing her.
0: I know. Unless they pick her up for a new story, which I really hope they do.
1: It's possible. A little behind the scenes, we were considering including Toff's Metalbending Academy in this episode until we read it and realized that it takes place well after everything we're reading now. Mm -hmm. And they do have callbacks to characters that are only in the comics. So while for now, Jang's only here, like Acorn said, it's possible she shows up later and they use her later, which I hope so.
0: All my fingers and toes are crossed.
1: Yeah, me too. I love her. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, I'm going to have to agree. It is Zhang. Zhang is the MVP of my heart today, as well as the episode. What about the moral of the episode?
1: I think it's pretty clear what the moral is, and it's don't judge a book by its cover.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree.
1: Yeah. Jumping to conclusions is not a great look for anyone. So before you do that, make sure that you get the whole story and make sure you're fair.
0: Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Thank you. I won't add anything to that. That is absolutely the moral of this episode. Love it. Mm -hmm. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this first installment of our next adventure for the podcast through the comics. Continue to tune in for the extended adventures with our friends after the finale of book three. We have a lot of really exciting comics coming up. We've talked multiple times about how excited we are about them. I am still very excited. So if you're just as interested and curious about what happens to the gang as we are, Make sure you tune in.
1: Yes, yes. And if you have caught up on all the episodes, you've done the reading for next week. I feel like a teacher. You've done the reading for next week and you've taken <laughs> extensive notes and you have finished your quiz and your paper and your essay. You can always join me at twitch.tv slash Booster on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've had a whole bunch of new friends come in and join us. And it's just been a great time. As of, I know this is going to be a little bit later, but we're recording this a little bit easier. We just finished the Ghostbusters game. And we're going mm-hmm. to be diving into some more just amazing games that I've been looking forward to playing. So come on in, hang out, say hi, say you're from Avatar the podcast and uh, it'll be great. Trust me. It'll be great. I don't know why I said that. So it's like <laughs> suspiciously.
0: Trust me. Come just on trust in. Me.
1: It'll be fine. It'll be a good time. It'll be great. We'll play. We'll be playing games. There's so many games that came out that I want to play too. I'm yeah. just like itching. I'm so excited. Uh, and you can always find me on Twitter and, and all that good stuff as well. If you want a uh, less time restricted way to interact with me mm-hmm. and continue to email in at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com continue to tweet at us at podcast avatar. Uh, if you want to support the podcast and get some bonus content, you can always go to patreon.com slash avatar. The podcast. We have a whole bunch of secret podcast episodes up there. We have some doodle pages. We've got so much stuff there. It's great.
0: Yeah. It's a good time. It's a, another window into our heads. Secret podcast yes. is probably the most exciting, in my opinion, on the Might Patreon, well. yeah. but uh, the doodle pages are really fun. We love answering questions that you give us. So if that is something you're interested in, please consider giving us some support. Yeah. But you can find me online at Acorn Bandit. You can also find me on joysons.com where I create enamel pins and that is j-o-i-a--s.com. If Etsy is more your thing, you can look for me over there by searching Joyson Studio. We currently have two official Avatar the Podcast pins, one being Appa, the other being Toph. And we do have plans for some future pins. So if you're interested, go take a look. But otherwise, you can find me online if you search for Acorn Bandit. Coming up next time.
1: The Lost Adventures. And for those of you who don't know what that is. It's basically everything you didn't know you wanted to know of the events that happened in between episodes yeah. in Avatar The Last Airbender. It's very cool. It is going to be just forewarning, select stories, because while they're all great, one of them is Momo getting chased.
0: Yeah. And that's they're very it. short, <laughs> very short stories. So. We're going to talk about the ones that we thought were really interesting that gave us some more insight into the lore, the world, the events between the episodes through books one, two, and three. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be great. All this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, the the podcast. Podcast.
1: Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.